0: Hello, everyone. I am Chris Hyams, CEO of Indeed, and welcome to the next episode of Here to Help. At Indeed, our mission is to help people get jobs. This is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what keeps us going all day. And what powers that mission is our people. Here to help is a look at how experience, strength, and hope inspires people to want to help others. June is Pride Month, and today I am thrilled to be joined by Sharice Bright, Senior Vice President for Communications and Marketing at the Human Rights Campaign, or HRC. And even if you don't know HRC by name, you've no doubt seen the logo, yellow equal sign inside of a blue square, which is one of the most recognizable symbols of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer community. It has become synonymous with the fight for equal rights for LGBTQ plus Americans. HRC's mission is incredibly powerful. By inspiring and engaging individuals and communities, the Human Rights Campaign strives to end discrimination against LGBTQ plus people and realize a world that achieves fundamental fairness and equality for all. HRC envisions a world where lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people, plus community members who use different language to describe identity, are ensured equality, and embraced as full members of society at home, at work, and in every community. In her role, Charisse leads HRC's comprehensive, multifaceted communications and marketing efforts that highlight the ongoing work of the organization in pursuit of this mission. Charisse is a strategic communications and marketing leader with over 20 years of experience working in the entertainment, sports, education, legal, and social justice sectors. She most recently served as Chief Communications Officer at Lambda Legal, where she built and led a team that rebranded the organization. And Sharice is also a friend and the wife of Indeed's Senior Vice President of Environmental, Social, and Governance, LaFon Davis. Sharice, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Well, let's start where we always start these conversations. How are you doing today?
1: You know what? I'm doing great. I started my morning as I always do, or most of the time with meditation and I have a gratitude practice. So no matter what's going on, I think it's important to sort of list some of the things I am grateful for and then just set the intention for today. So I started off with that and I'm feeling great.
0: Fantastic. Well, Let's just, uh, we're going to dive into your work and the work that you're doing is, is so important, uh, especially now and, and has a, a deep connection with Indeed's mission to help all people get jobs. But before we dive into that, let's back up a little bit and talk about your career journey. How did you get to where you are today?
1: So my career journey is nonlinear. And, you know, as I look back on my career, while I was in the midst of going through the different career opportunities, I was like, what, what are you doing? (laughs) What, What are you sort of leading to? But really, I started my career in entertainment. For me, I am a huge fan of music and entertainment. And so the entertainment industry felt exciting for me. And I absolutely enjoyed my time in entertainment. Most of the time, it felt like fun. And, um, and so I really started there, and as I got burnt out on entertainment, I decided to sort of do something that held close meaning to me, and I worked at the Los Angeles LA Gann Lesbian Center, which was sort of my first introduction to the work I'm doing now. That work was all-encompassing. It was uh, emotional. It uh, struck me on a level that I wasn't even prepared for. And so I found myself wanting to run away from it at first, because this is just a lot. Let me go back to the fun entertainment. And then from there, I uh, went into education, to legal, to sports, to finally back to the work that just lights me up and the work that I'm passionate about, which is advocacy, social justice work for the LGBTQ plus community. So,
0: you know, it's interesting. We uh, got to spend some time together last week in New York at the Tribeca Film Festival for the launch of Rising Voices Season 2. And one of the themes of that work is the meaning of work and what a job means in someone's life. And you've had all these different careers in, in, in these different areas, and uh, I'd imagine it means you know something different when you're doing the kind of work that you love in terms of of entertainment but then also advocacy and you talked about um the fact that it's you know maybe even scary to 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 do that work can you can you talk a little bit about what it means to be doing something where your job is so deeply aligned with who you are as a person and what what matters most to you
1: it's intense it's intense it is absolutely something that you carry with you outside of work, right? Um, And so there is the need to understand how to balance that, right? There is this strong sense of uh, responsibility. Uh, There are folks who are literally benefiting from the work that we do every day. And there is a strong sense of responsibility to show up for my team, who is also in the midst of this work and um, it is not easy work, Give, specifically given the times we're in now, hundreds of anti-LGBTQ plus fields that we're fighting against. And every day can seem like you're not winning, you're not succeeding. Um, but coming into contact with the families and the folks that this work uh, benefits helps us keep going. So it is the most rewarding uh, the most exhilarating, the most heart wrenching, uh, but beautiful work, and I feel absolutely grateful to be able to do this work.
0: The HRC role, and and by the way, congratulations! It's a it's a it's a new appointment. It's very exciting, and I want to talk about HRC. But you your most recent role before that was at Lambda Legal. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the work that you did at Lambda Legal and the the type of campaigns that um, the organization supported while you were there?
1: Yeah, so Lambda Legal is a phenomenal organization that not as many folks know about. Um, It's not as well-known outside of the LGBTQ plus community um, as compared to HRC. However, the work this organization has been doing for the past 50 years in support of LGBTQ plus rights and uh, those living with HIV is unreal. Um, Cases like Obergefell, which is... um, Marriage equality, that's Lambda Legal. Uh, many of the bigger cases fought at the Supreme Court are cases that Lambda Legal have fought for our community. So um, basically, uh, you can say that Lambda Legal <laughs> are the gay lawyers. And so they're really behind the scenes, really working hard to protect our rights. So with Lambda being such a um, uh, s- historical organization that is not as well known, I sought out to hire some of the top experts to rebrand the organization. So I hired Debbie Millman, who is a brilliant uh, lesbian woman who has rebranded some of the top Fortune 500 companies. And um, I also hired Robert Robin Canner, a brilliant trans woman, to redo the website. She I did the Biden-Harris identity, as well as the White House's website. And so that work is still ongoing, even though I have uh, left Lambda Legal. So a new brand should be launched pretty soon. I also sought to bring different kinds of awareness campaigns to Lambda Legal. One that comes to mind is Stack the Deck Against Hate, and it's stackthedeckagainsthate.org. And I worked with Campbell Ewald, um, an advertising agency, to launch this campaign. And basically, what it is is we brought together trans athletes to create uh, sports trading cards—something you know, like the baseball trading cards—and uh, we then gave these. Well, for a donation, we you were allowed to get these sports trading cards, and all of that went to uh, support trans youth in sports. And so really, really brilliant campaign and wanted to do creative outside of the box things that would bring awareness to the issues, but also start to um, have uh, Lambda Legal be seen in a different light.
0: So you're taking on this new role now, and obviously you're going to be operating in the same sort of world of, of supporting the LGBTQ plus community. But how is how is your work Uh, likely to change? And can you talk about some of the bigger issues that are facing the community right now?
1: So I think the work, you know, we all as a community, uh, sister organizations uh, are in the same fight, if you will, just different facets. I think that HRC is a much bigger platform, uh, so much of a bigger opportunity to get the awareness of the issues out uh, to more Folks, and so um, much bigger team, much bigger opportunity to um, be creative and think outside of the box, which is my sweet spot, which is what I love to do. We are in, I would say, the fight for our lives right now. As I mentioned earlier, there are hundreds of anti LGBTQ uh, plus bills uh, currently, many of them targeting uh, trans youth and uh, trans individuals, um, all together. And it is brutal. It feels, um, as though once we are sort of on top of one, another springs up and it is incredibly challenging for us right now. And really heartbreaking. When I think about the, um, bills targeting trans youth, um, if you think about it, it's really less than 1% of the population. Um, but folks have, chosen this as a political platform. And when you have the opportunity to speak to the families, this affects, it is incredibly heartbreaking, specifically when in Texas, uh, there are families who tell us that they are sending their children to school with letters, uh, with their lawyers information on it, so that in case their neighbors telling them that they have a trans Child, uh, the children will be able to be directed to their lawyers. So it is really uh, intense fight, and um, it's exhausting, but we're here for it.
0: In the intro, one of the things that I mentioned um, and and we talked about briefly is this idea that our, you know our mission is to help all people get jobs, and and there is a uh, a deep intersection um, with marginalization as it appears. You know, everywhere in the outside world, but but it you know, shows up so profoundly in the workplace. Can you talk about um, what the role of, of the workplace and workplace equity is in, in the types of uh, issues that, that you and your team are going to be looking at?
1: Yeah. So when I just, just backing out a little bit, if you think about work and you think about how much time you spend at work, right? And sometimes we spend more time at work than we do with our fr- our friends and family. So, with that in mind, if you think about the work environment and how it is to be in an environment that is welcoming and uh, creates space for you to be who you are, versus an environment that isn't, um, you think about the folks who are who aren't in supported environments taking back that energy to their friends and family and everyday lives. It is critically important uh, that marginalized folks feel seen, feel heard, feel welcome in workplace. And many times that has not only to do with the workplace policies, but the way in which um, the coworkers understand how to be is simply be around folks who are different. So I think it's critically important, and it doesn't just relate to the workplace. If we can think about the whole universe of how everything is connected, that is critically important.
0: So, what do you think the the sort of state uh, of of the world is right now when it comes to workplace equity? Where Where are we? And obviously, we've made some progress, and other things maybe uh, are are more challenging. What, what do you? What would you say is where we are in this journey today?
1: Well, I will say optimistically, we have come a long way. I remember when I first started working, um, just getting a domestic partnership uh, was a, a de- ordeal, right? There was a lot you had to go through to even get uh, health benefits for your partner. Now, you know, with a click of a few. Uh, buttons, you can you can get that. But there are so, we have so far to go. Um, we still struggle to get affirming care, affirming health care for, for trans folks in the workplace, trans and non-binary folks. And uh, the health care benefits are incredibly expensive. And it, it could be a challenge to even navigate that for trans and gender non-conforming folks. So we still have quite a long way to go but have made some strides. And my hope is that through the work that the brilliant colleagues I work with at HRC, as well as others in our movement uh, is through that work, we can continue to make strides and help folks understand that all folks deserve equity in the workplace with benefits.
0: Talking about benefits and and healthcare. I mean, there's, there's a host of reasons why um, this would be, you know, critical one being obviously being able to to support uh, people and provide the 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 services and support that that might be um, specific and unique to to their needs. But the policies that an organization has also says something about what the organization cares about, and it sends a message. Can you can you talk a little bit more just about that? What the what the role of of benefits and, and healthcare in the workplace really plays in this area?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and you just, you said it perfectly there. The policies are what are important, right? Because the policies help you better understand who who that organization is, what is important to that organization. We can tell that as folks in our community um, get really savvy at trying to better understand how to navigate where we belong, where we can feel safe. And so many times we're looking at uh, the policies, we're looking at Uh, what folks are saying in our community about these companies before we feel safe bringing ourselves to these companies. And I feel as though if if companies want to benefit from our talent, then they have to be willing to accept us. And the way they accept us is by creating inclusive policies and ensuring that um, not discrimination is not accepted in these workspaces um i also want to say that as part of that too, ensuring that folks are educated i don't think it's all the way necessary that a company provides all of the education i do folks need to come just as i'm um, expected to come to work and know um how to interact with others. I think that folks should um, learn. We're living in a very diverse world. And so if you're coming to work and you're not understanding different folks, I say get some knowledge outside of the company. But I also do think that uh, for what it's worth, it's important for companies to educate, to provide resources so that folks who want to learn more and want to be better allies and learn should have that opportunity at their fingertips.
0: So one thing that um, you've talked about before is the, the, the difference between bringing your whole self to work and being your authentic self. Can you, can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so I'll just use myself as an example. You know, I want to be able to bring my authentic self to work. I want to be able to come as a queer Black woman and express myself the way I would like to. I want to be able to feel, be vulnerable. I want to have ideas and be seen and heard. Um but that I but I also don't want to bring the Sharice that's grumpy um <laughs> when she hasn't eaten or and expect um you know my my coworkers to have to deal with certain things. What I say mean by that is that um and and some may not agree with this, but I do not think that um an employer can be all the things and can contain all of the different things. But I do feel that you should be able to show up authentically. Um, and, and so that's how I kind of uh, explain that. We want you to be authentic. We want you to feel safe, heard, seen. Um, but there are some things that we simply don't have the uh, capacity to deal with in the workspace. Um, and so that's that's what I mean by that.
0: If you like this interview and want to hear more, hit subscribe. Catch up on any Here to Help episodes you might have missed and get new ones delivered directly to you. More with Cherie Bright after this break. We're talking about the range of things that a a company can do, and, and one of the things that you know, you were talking about was, um, making sure that there's no discrimination and that feels like clearly like the entry, right? We have, we have to, we have to ensure that, but what we're, what we're really trying to do and what Lafon talks about all the time is this sort of journey from, uh, from, from sort of where we are to, to inclusion and and ultimately to, to belonging. We say that we want everyone to feel like they have uh, a home at a deed, a place that feels like home. And so what are some of the things that, um, companies uh need to do that that maybe we're not doing yet to, to really provide a safe and inclusive inclusive environment for all employees
1: i would say the first thing is listen i think a lot of times uh companies think they know that they're doing the right thing but i i say listen listen to employees um understand uh where folks are coming from uh, and then from there create uh policies and, and create a space that is inclusive. Uh, from there, there's a the ability to trust is something that is, I, I would say we don't talk about a lot, but is critically important, specifically for marginalized folks, because oftentimes we come into these environments and um We see DEI is on uh, a lot of companies' websites, but what really does that mean? Um, And how is that ingrained in everything that is done at the company? It shouldn't feel like an afterthought, right? It should feel like this is just how we are. This is we all sort of are here and we're um, a family and inclusive and it shouldn't feel separate. And so I would say companies should first listen to better understand uh, what employees need, but secondly, foster an environment of trust through action, through actually showing up. What is the hiring process like? What is it like day to day uh, when folks are in meetings? Can folks see themselves reflected in leadership teams? And what happens when uh, folks have issues with coworkers who don't understand? How are, how are those things handled? Uh, So that, that's what I say, just really, it takes time. No one is perfect and no one should be expected to be perfect. But what happens along that journey and um, trying to better understand folks is what endears people to companies.
0: So we are having this conversation right now in June. It is Pride Month uh, around the world. Can you talk a little bit about what you feel the Pride celebrations Um, mean, and the the role that they play in change?
1: So pride is a protest. And I think many people either don't know that, haven't have forgot that, but pride is a protest really spearheaded by a Black trans woman, um, Marsha P. Johnson. And so when I think about the moment we're currently in, right, where we are hurting as a community. We are simply hurting. I mean, there isn't a moment. Uh, Yesterday, for example, uh, I needed to stop and drop things because there was a a ruling um, um, against trans folks participating in swimming. Um, This is our day-to-day lives. Uh, And so when I think about companies that change their logos to the pride colors and you know, uh, support parades and give a donation to us. But then next month also support politicians who are uh, introducing these very bills that are harming us right now. I think we have gotten a little off um, center, specifically the corporations. I'm speaking specifically of corporations. We need companies as allies and we need allies in general because we're really in a fight. We're exhausted. And, Pride can't simply be, hey, here's this rainbow uh, logo. It has to be action. And so I would say I call on companies, I call on individuals to to be our allies in this moment of complete and utter uh, devastation for us.
0: Yeah, and I, I wonder to some degree this, this idea of, of rainbow washing, right, of you walk into a target or the gap and it suddenly would look like, you know, there's just the whole world is, is, is on board with everything. And it's almost feels like after Obama was elected, this sort of, you know, narrative that came out that well clearly were beyond race because there's a black man in, in the White House and that that actually has been one of the more challenging narratives. To, to sort of fight against in terms of people's perception and to some degree, the the amount of rainbows that you see throughout the month of June, I'd imagine must have a similar effect that people would sort of come with the, well, what more do you want, right? We have, we have rainbows everywhere.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I think folks think, okay, well, we got, you got your, you know, your rainbow flags everywhere, you know, um, we're nowhere near. Uh, where we need to be. And quite frankly, we have some work to do as a community too. We, we also deal with in our community, sexism, ableism, racism, all of those things. And so we're, there's so many different levels to this. Um, While there has been progress made that progress is, you know, um, obviously under attack currently. Um, And so it, we can't be distracted because there's just too much work to do. And right now, you know, the lens is on trans folks and trans youth. Um, it is us as an entire community that is under attack every day. So the rainbow flag is great, but we just, we've got so much more work to do.
0: So Lafon and I were actually having this conversation when we were together last week that um, in uh, in his uh, first major book, um, uh stamped from the beginning Dr Kendi in in his intro talks about the fact that people have this idea that the sort of struggle for equality um is like a tug of war that you're making progress or you know maybe there's two steps forward and a step back but that it's essentially a linear March in in one direction and he argues that that's completely the wrong model and that that what's really going on is that there are two separate forces one for uh equality and and one for oppression and they're both constantly marching forward and in fact the more forward progress that one makes the more the other digs in and and works harder and some of the things that we're seeing right now like you referenced in the the FINA ruling yesterday about uh international swimming about um in in Texas um investigating parents of of trans kids for offering any form of gender affirming care as as child abuse and then most recently in in Florida uh, investigating parents who take kids to see a drag show. Um, right All of these things at some level seem more extreme from a policy perspective than the policies that we'd seen before because there was just enough, individual human discrimination that you didn't need that. But like, as, as the, the, the general sort of world comes to accept things more that maybe they didn't accept 10 years ago or 40 years ago or 50 years ago, that, that the forces of oppression feel like they have to actually work harder and they're doing things now that seem almost more unimaginable.
1: I couldn't have said that any better. I mean, and that's exactly what's happening right now. And I think that um, people seem to think, oh, we can rest now. You know, we got uh, marriage equality. That's even, you know, not guaranteed, right, at this point. And so it's, it's just when you think you're getting to a place where, okay, you can't. It is, it is ruthless and relentless. And it is unbelievable And I want to say that just from zooming out from a human perspective, I uh, just read a great book by Brene Brown called um, Atlas of the Heart. And on a podcast, she talks about um, as human beings, we just are untethered, right? We just aren't feeling as though we're connected to one another. And so this ruthlessness is literally due to, in my um, opinion, the feeling of being unconnected. At the end of the day, the basic in the basis, and this has been throughout history as we think about slavery, but the basis should be we are human beings. And uh, that doesn't seem to come across. Some of this is just, I, I really don't care. Um, I need to push my agenda. It doesn't matter if you hurt, if you're human. And that is an incredibly dangerous. Place to be. We're at a dangerous place. Um, you know, crimes against uh, Black trans women are disproportionately over the top. I mean, it is just a, ta- a dangerous, sad uh, time to be in for this community.
0: So today is Monday, uh, June 20th. Yesterday was Juneteenth. And today is actually a new federal holiday recognizing Juneteenth. Uh, The reason that we're here having this conversation and indeed doesn't have the day off is that we um, celebrated on Friday. We had made Juneteenth a holiday uh, last year before the federal government did, and we had already picked Friday in advance. So we stuck with that day, but several people are taking the day off today as well. But uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on how we should think about marking an event like Juneteenth and commemorating and remembering the reason we have them in the first place?
1: So I think that for me, you know, um, seeing Juneteenth recognized is is beautiful, but also mind-blowing, right? Um, I'm seeing also the corporations jumping on it really quickly from a financial standpoint. You're seeing Juneteenth ice cream and Juneteenth salads, which is ridiculous, um, but literally as a community that is struggling um, the way in which this, this holiday should be commemorated is through using those funds to support the community. Um, you know, the economic status of uh, the black community right now uh, isn't where it needs to be. Um, the, racism, all of the struggles in which the community faces is is all pervasive. And we have these companies that are like, here' are some Juneteenth you know um, paper plates. So I think that first, again, it, it's such a hard thing because you have the folks who are fighting against telling history how it is, but then you have a, a recognition of a time that is historical. And it is hard to, quote unquote, celebrate this time without really talking about the history and the why. And so I, am, I have mixed feelings about where we are with the celebration of Juneteenth. I'm grateful that it's recognized what I think a lot of work needs to be done about educating folks as to what Juneteenth actually means for, for our community.
0: The HRC's foundation has a corporate equality index that is published every single year. It's a national benchmarking tool on corporate policies, practices, and benefits pertinent to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer employees. Can you talk about what it takes to be number one on the corporate equity index and what other companies can learn from those companies on the top 10?
1: So that is a lot, first of all, a lot goes into that. And I want to just take this time to acknowledge uh, HRC's foundation, my brilliant colleagues there who work on this every day, um, who are the ones who are coming together to decide what it means to be on that um, equality index. And so I will, th- we have a whole list of of uh, sort of things and guidelines and things you must do in order to even get on that. And, and you can find that at hrc.org workplace. Uh, but what it takes really is put your money where your mouth is, if you will, and not just money. What kind of policies do you have? You know, what kinds of insurance do you offer? How do folks in our community feel at your company? I think that's the the biggest deciding factor there is how are folks telling us they feel sitting in these roles and sitting in these companies? That's important for us. And um, making sure that the environment is one that people can feel safe going into. So so those are some of the general things. But again, there is a whole list um, and some fall off. you know, recently we've had to take some off. Uh, I won't name uh, the companies out of respect, but companies can do things uh, throughout the years that make us reevaluate them being on the index. Um, and as we think about things like, what are you doing that's harming our community? Who are you giving to politically? Things of that sort. That'll be ways in which we will look at the index moving forward.
0: At the very start from the HRC mission, uh, I I read this statement that HRC envisions a world where lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people, plus community members who use different language to describe identity, are ensured equality and embraced as full members of society at home, at work, in every community. Can you talk about what this better future looks like from the perspective of HRC?
1: Sure, so lived equality for folks in the LGBTQ plus community. Um a feeling and a sense of being able to be safe, um, to be full members of society society. Um, uh, I don't know if we will ever sort of realize equality, but we will fight really hard every single day along with our sister organizations to ensure that we are pushing to get there so um, it looks like me as a black queer woman marrying uh my wife and and walking through lives and sitting on leadership teams more of that um but all more of that for all folks within our community
0: well as we uh as we draw to a close here and i could keep this conversation going all day but um uh I always like to end, sort of looking back over the last now almost two and a half years that we've been through in in this pandemic and all of the the challenges and the inequities that have been exposed throughout that process. Um, I'm curious, throughout all of that, what, if anything, has left you with some optimism for the future.
1: Yeah. So one thing that that might sound a little cheesy is but I married uh, my wife during the pandemic, right, in the middle of all the chaos. And so um, that gives me hope, the love, being able to love and be um, embraced by our family and friends. It gives me hope. But I I hate to sound, uh, you know, date myself here, but I really, truly am inspired by youth. Because uh, more and more, they're, um, they're looking at identity, their gender identities, and saying we will make our own decisions about our bodies and about who we are and about these sort of political ideologies. And that gives me so much hope. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very hopeful and really focused on continuing to work and fight and um do everything I possibly can to support my communities. I should say communities.
0: Well, Sharice, thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation and for sharing your experience and strength and hope. But um, thank you so much for everything that you do to make the world a better place.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am, again, like I said, I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Thanks for listening to Here to Help. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download the podcast to stay up to date with the latest episodes. Until next time.